to Isaiah chapter 9. That's where we'll be today. While they bring the, the pulpit back out. Hopefully without injury, amen? Well, I can tell you with all that tough talk I did about the, uh, the lock-ins, I was one of those guys that didn't make it all the way to the end. I fell asleep at about one o'clock in the morning. But that was after four or five successful Jeep rides. Amen, youth, students, y'all like that. So that, that, that went well, but I just, I don't know. I just couldn't make it. I guess I'll just chalk it up to old age, amen? Old man, yeah, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thunderous, yes, thunderous. 52 years old, gonna be 53 next year. Well, I hope, but let's, let's, let's thank all of our musicians today. This has been phenomenal and wonderful. <clears throat> they are not finished. We'll have, we'll have a, a, one more at the end, but um, it's been touching. Has it not been? Some of my best memories are the Church of Jesus Christ at Christmas time, uh, especially candlelight service on the 24th when I was wayward. Uh, that was about the only church service that I went to. And my grandmother would start months in advance, months in advance, badgering me, begging me to join her for the Christmas Eve candlelight service because the church was so beautiful and so wonderful and all my friends would be there. And that through the years is how she wooed me back to the truth of who Jesus Christ is. And so this time of year is very, very special to me very special to me, and I hope it will be special to you as well. Um, another thing I want to say before we begin, because we have plenty of time by my clock, it's uh, right at 11 o'clock, so I've got an hour, right? Amen? Um, another thing I'd like to say, uh, this morning, I want to give a big shout out to our family discipleship pastor, Clayton, and the work that he has been doing over the past two years uh, with our students and children alongside my wife and many other uh, volunteers here uh, at Parkway Baptist, uh, something that you may hear from time to time still, a holdover uh, kind of grumbly comment from time to time, is you may hear something like, well, Parkway doesn't have any students or children. Well, if you have been involved in the church over the past 10 days, what would you say to that comment? <laughs> Baloney, real spiritual word. Um, because if you came to Cookies and Carols, you saw about 60 uh, students and children up here, and if you're, and you're here this morning, and so you just saw a whole a whole bunch of uh, of children over here. So so God is blessing Parkway Baptist Church in family ministry. Can you amen that? So if you're looking for a place, if you're looking for a place, if you wanna if you wanna invite somebody and say, hey, Parkway Baptist Church is on fire for the Lord, and we want to see men and women. Husbands and wives raise up their families loving Jesus. I can't speak for any of the churches, and I'm not downing any of the churches because I'm not a part of any of the church. I'm only a part of Parkway Baptist Church. I can tell you that this body of Christ is doing everything humanly possible to make sure that our families are being discipled in the Word of God. We don't do it perfectly, obviously. I don't know that that model exists out there anywhere until, unless, you know, Jesus came. He did it perfectly. But, but we do it. On a week-to-week -week basis, we do it, and we try very hard. So if you're looking, give us a look, because we will love you and help you uh, walk alongside you uh, through the trials and tribulations, amen, of child-rearing, 
Yes, they are. So if you have your Bible, if you're open to Isaiah 9, let's, let's go look at this text this morning. I chose this uh, because I believe God wanted you to hear this today. Uh, we will be in this prophecy today and then next Sunday, getting out of Luke for just, just a little while. Uh, this prophecy is, is one of the most direct scriptures to the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, Isaiah 7 14, and then also uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7, specifically the last few verses, speak to him being born and his majesty in the millennium and into eternity. And so that's what I want to build to over these next two Sundays. And you know how I am. I like to give you a little contextual information on the prophet of Isaiah. Because normally when you say I'm going to preach from Isaiah, you can hear the snoring in the audience, right? (laughs) Isaiah, no, 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 no. Isaiah, what he wrote is one of the most cited prophecies throughout the New Testament literature. Not only in the Gospels, not only in the book of Acts, but throughout the letters that were written from the hand of the apostles, we will see Isaiah cited time and time and time again. And if you want to understand the New Testament, what must we understand? The Old Testament. Obviously not to perfection. We're never going to be able to do that as Gentiles in this life. But we, but we can get a good enough grasp of what the prophet was trying to say that it will bolster our faith and help us understand what is so important about this. One other thing I'll say is that one of the reasons why I'm up here today and I'm so bold about preaching the word of God and so fearless when it comes to men attacking me over preaching the word of God is because I know the word of God is absolutely 100% true. And I know that because there were prophecies written by men who did not physically know Jesus in the sense of him walking around on the earth speaking to him, but that Jesus gave through his Holy Spirit into their minds and hearts, and they recorded it in the Old Testament, and then later perfectly fulfilled it. I don't know. I don't know another organization on planet earth that can claim that type of consistency in the word of God. I don't know it. If it is, please tell me what it is, and I'll I'll give it a look. But I've looked a lot, and it doesn't seem to exist. So Isaiah the prophet writes, he was a major prophet, and he was called major because he wrote a tremendous amount as compared to other prophets. His prophecy is also called, and this is probably one of the most interesting things I've ever learned about the prophecy of Isaiah, other than the prophecies themselves, is that Isaiah, the book itself, is called a Bible within a Bible. Who's ever heard that term before? That Isaiah is a Bible within a Bible. What do I mean by that? Well, the Bible has how many chapters? 66, right? 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New. Well, guess how many chapters Isaiah has? 66. Guess how many are considered more in the theology of, if that's even a word, uh, more in the school of Old Testament? 39. Guess how many speak to hope and grace? 27. It's very, very interesting that Isaiah is divided in that way. So we have a Bible within a Bible in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was active in the southern kingdom of Judah from 740 to 701 BC. This means he witnessed the fall of Samaria to Assyria in 722. He was born in Jerusalem around 760 BC and had close relationships with the kings. 
We also know based on what he wrote, and if you've ever spent any time reading the book of Isaiah, you understand the depth of this man's intellect and his ability to draw illusions, and, and just, just it's just an incredible work. He is probably one of the most highly educated, affluent prophets that we see in the Old Testament based on what he wrote. Here's something you may or may not have known. He was married and had how many sons? Two. Two sons with the most complicated names of any human beings on earth. One son, the oldest son, was called Sherah Jashub. Sherah Jashub. The other son, this is my favorite one, is called, and I'm going to get you, I'm going to test you on this. You ready? Mahir Shalal Hashbaz. So this side say Mahir Shalal. This side say Hashbaz. Okay, let's do it all together. Outstanding. Mahir Shalal Hashbaz. Now, Mahir Shalal Hashbaz means the spoil speeds and the prey hastes. And this was, he named his son under the conviction that Assyria, the pagan nation Assyria, would attack Israel about 734 B.C. and destroy it. Shero Jashub, his name means a remnant shall return, and that name represented his belief in the survival of a remnant in Israel, a true remnant in Israel. Now there, I've already told you this, but there are multiple, multiple citations of Isaiah throughout the New Testament. One of the most noteworthy that captivated my heart probably 10 to 12 years ago is Isaiah chapter 6 verses 8 through 10. This is right after Isaiah's call to the ministry and Isaiah asks him, he says, here I am God, send me. And he says, go and say this to the people. This is God speaking to Isaiah and Isaiah wants to know the message he is supposed to take and God says, says, send this message, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. And everybody says, wow, what's that about? But believe it or not, Jesus Christ takes those verses and uses them and implants them into the parable of the sower that is cited in every gospel plus the book of Acts plus used every now and then again through the New Testament literature. The book of Isaiah, that prophecy is given. And what it basically says is, is that the gospel, the word of God as horrible as it sounds, shuts more eyes than it closes. That sinful man will come to the truth of who Jesus Christ is and they will say, no, it can't be true. Just as Israel did time and time and time again. So this prophecy in Isaiah is one of the most cited throughout the New Testament. But today and next Sunday, we will focus on Isaiah 7 and Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Now, the reason these prophecies are so important, Robert mentioned this a little bit, is they made predictions about the coming Messiah several hundred years. Say that, several hundred years. Several hundred Several hundred years. That's longer than the United States has been in existence. These prophecies, the distance of these prophecies to their fulfillment. 700 years. Levi, 
Matthew, the tax collector, God apostle, shows Isaiah 7.14 explicitly fulfilled in Christ's virgin birth several hundred years before he was born. Isaiah 9, however, is not shown fulfilled in the New Testament. Now, why would that be? Now, we know know that any Old Testament messianic scripture, even if the apostolic witness does not show it fulfilled in the New Testament, we can rationally think to ourselves, "Well, well, even though this passage is not specifically fulfilled, it's still talking about who? Jesus, because we know Jesus is Messiah. But Isaiah 9 is very, very specific, and I believe the reason why it is not shown as fulfilled in the New Testament is why? Because it will be fulfilled when? When Jesus Christ returns. Isaiah 9. Let's go there. Isaiah 9, 1 through 7. If you have your Bible, let me take a little drink here. I'm getting all wound up on the Christmas service, amen? Y'all wound up? Good. I'm going to wind you up some more. Chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Where did the centurion find Jesus, the last message we preached together, that we studied together. Where did the centurion find Jesus? What city? Capernaum. Where's Capernaum? Around the Galilee area. That's what he's talking about. Galilee has been made glorious because Jesus came to Galilee. The Son of God came to Galilee, and the Gentile, the light to the Gentiles began as they came to know Jesus. Verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, talking about the Gentiles. Those who dwelt in a land of cheap darkness, own them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian." For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for fire. How graphic is that? Look at the next verse. For to us a what? Child is born. To us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. It's hard to believe that all that is wrapped up in a blanket and a manger, amen? But it, but, but it, it is. And Jesus Christ... God came to earth in Christ. In Christ. Isaiah 6 through 9. The context of this prophecy, Isaiah 6 through 9, are written in the context of war, of all things. The context of war. 
Isaiah has been called to prophesy against Israel and Judah and warn them of the coming invasion of Assyria. Ahaz, the ruling king of Judah, will not listen to Isaiah. And Isaiah prophesies that one day there will come a ruler, a Messiah, that will be completely obedient to the will of God and throw off the yoke of the oppressors forever. Imagine that, a king not listening to a prophet. Can you imagine that? A king not listening to a prophet. And it seems as though his prophecy seems to be affirmed by God by the birth of his second son, Mahir Shalal. Let's try it again. His birth seems, his, his command and prophecy seems to be affirmed by the birth of his, birth of his second son. Hashbaz. Yes. Yes. So Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6. Just trying to get you involved a little bit this morning, Okay. Isaiah 6 is his call. Isaiah 7, his sons, his older son, Shara Jashub, go to King Ahaz and tell him not to fear the alliance between Israel and Syria and offers for him to ask God, pay, please pay attention to this, offers for the king to ask God for a sign as evidence. Ahaz rejects the sign. Even though God offered for him to ask for a sign, Ahaz in rebellion and disbelief says, no, I will not accept the sign. So God rejects Ahaz and kings like him in favor of a future leader that will be born that honors his will. And that king that would be born is... I just had this fear that you were going to say, Mahir Shalal Hashbaz for a second. <laughs> yes. Yes. So Isaiah, the birth of Mahir Shalal Hashbaz, and another firm warning that Assyria is coming to invade the land and another warning to fear God and the consequences of not fearing him. And then in Isaiah 9, in Isaiah 9, he prophesies about the coming king who he hinted to in Isaiah chapter 7. The hours it takes to study this and, and understand this, I, I, it's, 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 it's a lot. So verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So do not miss this. 700 years before Jesus is born, Israel is in a battle and fearing of Assyria coming down, and the king of that time rebels against God, doesn't ask for the sign, and a prophecy is given about a coming Messiah 700 years later that will be obedient to him. It's amazing to me. Why Isaiah and why at that time? I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. But that's when he gave it. That is the prophecy that the Holy Spirit would move in the heart of that tax collector gone apostle to write and show fulfillment when Mary said, yes, God, I will do as you have said. I am willing, give me this incredible child you are talking about, the son of David, the son of God. For to us, a child is born, a son is given. So for the past several weeks, what have we all been doing hectically? 
preparing for Christmas, right? We eat more, amen? We buy more, amen? Oh, that, that was a weak one. Y'all line up in here now. You buy more, we, we all do that. We, we want to get together with family and friends, do we not? And I hope and pray that the reason why we do all of that is because for to us, a child has, is born to us, a son is given. It is this glorious celebration as God sent his son, the promised Messiah, into the world to save us from our sins and make a way back to God. No other faith, no other religion on earth offers what Christianity offers. Do we, do we realize that? It, it just doesn't. No other faith understands the problem that we have as sinners. No other faith understands that we're lost and separated from God. And no other faith has a God, the one true God of the universe, that sent his one and only son to navigate the universe, to come to us, born through a virgin, and died upon Calvary's cross. Nothing else offers that. So if we're salespeople, if we're salespeople, we have a monopoly on God. Amen? Monopoly. Luke 1, and the angel said, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Isaiah seven fourteen. therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign, Ahaz, 700 years ago. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For to us, a child is born. For to us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. What in the world does this mean? What government is he talking about? What government's he talking about? The, the, the entire universe. That's what government. I mean, from, from Israel's perspective, the Messiah was going to come back and do what? Take them back to national prominence, right? That's what they believed. But Jesus brought a whole different message. He helped them understand it's not about just Israel. It is about you, but it's not just about you. It's about all people from every tribe and tongue all over the world who want to love, serve, and devote their lives to me. That's what this is about. Christ governs everything, all government, just, just everything from his place at the right hand of the Father. Now, at the moment, it doesn't seem that way. Can I get a witness? It doesn't seem that way that he's governing because evil still runs rampant, but this is because the world is still suffering from the effects of the fall, right? still suffering from the effects of the fall. That's why we all still die. That's why we get sick. 
That's why there's disease and COVID and all this other kind of stuff that, that, that's hurting us out there because the fall is still rampant. But there will come a day when Jesus will return and the fall will be reversed. And he's already done that in the heart of each and every believer that believes in him. When that time comes, that millennium, the time when Christ returns, it will be a, a literal reign of Christ on earth for a thousand years, the Bible tells us. That government, all government is on his shoulder. Hebrews 1, 10 and 12 says, You, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same and your years will have no end. Psalm 2, the messianic psalm, right out of the beginning of the psalm corpus, I tell you of a decree the Lord said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth, I serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way for his wrath is quickly kindled blessed are all who take refuge in him for to us a child is born to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder next Isaiah talks about his name we got four names that Isaiah calls the child to come. Four names. The first one is Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. You know, Jesus would call, would call the Holy Spirit the Counselor or the Helper in the Gospel of John uh, 15, verse 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And all of us have the counselor in our hearts. But Jesus is called the wonderful counselor. And his name implies a word that is so very important for us today, especially in this lost, lost, twisted, wicked culture that we have to survive, wake up in, and function in every day. And that word begins with a W and ends with an M. And its name is wisdom. The great counselor brings us wisdom. Christ is the embodiment of wisdom. Probably one of the best, the best chapters, the best passages in the Bible that explains Jesus' personification of that is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 16. Listen to this very carefully. Make a note of this if you're taking notes and go back and look at this later. Yet among the mature, Paul says, we do impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. That is why Ahaz missed it. He was a ruler of the age. He was a wicked king that missed the truth. Missed it. Would not listen to the prophet that God had sent him. But we, talking about the apostles, impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this for if they had, they would not have crucified Jesus because they feared him, right? 
They feared him. They didn't understand it. They didn't understand his message. They were in charge. They were in control. They thought they were in charge of the government. But who was in charge of the government? Jesus. And they killed him. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Listen to this verse right here. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. The baby born in that manger would grow up to be the wonderful counselor. And I would dare to say that if everyone lived their life with that understanding that the first place that you should ever go for any information on how to live your life and make decisions would be Jesus and the Word of God, I would dare to say there would never be somebody in my office, Colton's office, or Clayton's office needing help with Scripture because you wouldn't be in the fix you are anyway. Amen? Most of the time, before we go anywhere else, the last place we go is the Scripture. That's the last place we go. The last place we go is prayer to the Lord Jesus Christ when the Bible tells us the first place we should go as his children is where? To Jesus. Because he is the wonderful counselor. The next name is Mighty God. Mighty God. God is a warrior. The name gives this child God's name. He is Mighty God. Jesus comes the first time. This time, how does he come, y'all? First time he comes in, in humiliation. How many kings do you know born in a manger? How many other kings do you know that have been born in a manger? Zero. Zero. This time he came in humiliation. The next time he will come how? In glorification. This time he was abused. He was persecuted. He was made fun of. He was terrorized. The next time he's going to do the terrorizing. Can I get a witness? Exactly. When he returns, he will return as mighty God and he will execute judgment on those that executed judgment on him. Then I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. 
From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Swaddled. Swaddled as a baby. Peter, but do not overlook this fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief and then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved in the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. He is mighty God. He is a warrior. Amen? Amen. Do not forget that. He doesn't stay in the manger all his life. He goes from the manger to the mountain. And he dies for your sins and my sins and the sins of the world. Then he's buried in a tomb. Then he is resurrected from the dead. He's at the right hand of the Father and he will come back. He is God Almighty, period. Everlasting Father. There is but one God, the Father, and Christ is named with him to be a part of him. Daniel writes the prophecy while he was in exile in Babylon. He said, I saw in night visions and behold with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not pass be destroyed he is everlasting if you are in him if you have placed your trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ you are safe for all eternity do you believe that you need to believe that do not listen to all the talking heads in in the secular world They are going to do everything they can to tear down what we believe. But I'm telling you, this is the tried and true word of God. And he is Jesus. He is the everlasting father. Finally, Prince of Peace. And this is what we we focus on probably most this time of year, the Prince of Peace. And I can tell you personally speaking, he is every bit of the Prince of Peace. Amen? I mean, I can remember myself, my own life, the, 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 what my life characterized before I knew him and what my life characterized after I met him. And I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, when Jesus Christ comes into your life, if you have truly been born again, the one thing that you know now that you did not know then is peace. Peace with God doesn't mean I don't have tough days from time to time. That's not what that means. What that means is that when I go to bed at night and I think about my Savior and I think about his blood on Calvary's cross and I think about his resurrection and I pray to him and I say, Lord, I know I probably failed you today in a thousand different ways, ways that I can't even remember. 
but I know that if I die in my sleep tonight, the first thing I will see is you. That's the peace I'm talking about. That's the peace I'm talking about. The peace to know that no matter, no matter what befalls you in this life, no matter what it is, you are at peace and safe and secure in Jesus. Do you really believe that? Do you believe that you're at peace with with the world and in your heart because you have faith in him? Peace. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his And in that same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. That's the proper response, by the way. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Let us pray. Lord, we are thankful for the many names that Scripture gives you. You are mighty God. We love you. And this time of year reminds us, just in case we, it ever slips our mind, which many times it does in our carnal ways, that you came to earth in flesh. You came to earth as a baby boy and you grew up on this earth for 33 years without sinning you know exactly what it's like to be human and you came and you lived and you loved us and you died for us and now you are at the right hand of the father and we can call you by these many names Lord you are our savior our Savior, that when we stand before whatever trial or affliction that it is, we can know that you're with us. We can know that you're walking beside us and that you love us and that somehow, some way in the mystery of our faith and your eternal plan for us, that somehow whatever it is that we are involved in, you will use for our good because your word says so because we believe it's truths. 
So, Father, as we close today, we ask if there's one here that does not know you, that has never placed their faith and trust in you, Jesus Christ, your, your Son, our Savior, the Son of God that came to die for the sins of the world, that this Christmas season of 2021, that this would be the time that they would say yes, yes to following you. Yes, to becoming a child of God. Yes, to becoming born again, to believing, coming to repentance and faith and following you with their life. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand for a brief time of response? Miss beautiful service. Amen. What a great way to head out of here and get our hearts ready for Christmas season. And uh, we always encourage this in our house, but let's not make Christmas all about just the presents, okay? Um, And even when we're gift giving, let us remember the best gift giver. Amen. Well, we're so glad that you joined us this morning. Just a few uh, quick reminders for you, some new stuff as well. Um, Martha Bowen has requested, if you are interested in helping out at all with Meals on Wheels, and you can connect with her to know more about what that ministry does, we would encourage you, go connect with Martha. Uh, I don't know if she's in the house right now. Um, If she is, oh, she's over here. Yeah, there she is. Martha Wave. Everyone look at Martha Waving over there. There she is. So you have no excuses now. Now you you know who she is, and she's going to thank me for that later. It's going to be great. Um, but yeah, please find her. She really will because uh, come and be a part of that ministry. It's a great ministry. Uh, also, we have a Christmas breakfast uh, coming up this next Sunday. You don't want to miss that. Instead of Sunday school class, okay, just come up here around 9 o'clock and we're going to just have a sweet time of fellowship. We're going to have some just goodies out in the foyer uh, for everyone to partake of. And I want to encourage you as well, uh, since we are a family, and you know, usually when you plan family gigs together, everyone brings a little bit of something, uh, but we're going to make it a little more organized than that, okay? So don't just bring something, all right? Uh, get in touch with Sherry, Sherry Smith, and uh, if you'd like to bring uh, a little bit of something to help out with that uh, breakfast that morning, again, it's just going to be a sweet time.
on the Lord just to fellowship together, to talk together, to reminisce over the time with family over Christmas. So please uh, get in touch with her. That's 9 o'clock this coming Sunday. Come and do that. No Sunday school, okay? So Sunday school teachers, hey, hear me. Don't prep your lesson. But if you do prep your lesson, you can just get ahead for next week, okay? But, but you don't have to prep your lesson this week. It's, it's a, a rest period for you as well, so please take that. And then the last thing, Nashville Rescue Mission uh, with Dan Shine. Uh, if you recall, we mentioned this. If you uh, have a heart to serve homeless, the homeless in Nashville, uh, please, please get in touch with Dan Shine, okay? Uh, he can get you connected with the Nashville Rescue Mission. He's wanting to go out there and serve sometime in January, uh, but he needs to know how many people are going to be coming. So please get in touch with him. Uh, once he gets enough volunteers, he's going to lock in a date, and then we can share that with you. But please let him know. Be proactive. Go to him and talk to him. If you don't know who Dan Shine is, come talk to us. We'll point you in the direction of Dan Shine, okay? Uh, and with all those things said, Shelby, you have anything else? To you all, thank you all who made this service so very special. Thank you for all of your... Oh, by the way, thank you, Kelsey, coming in there. Um, Christmas Eve service, okay? Don't want to miss that. Christmas Eve service will be at 4 o'clock. Uh, it's going to be really, really, really special, so you don't want to miss that. That's all I'm going to say about that. 4 o'clock uh, is when you need to be here for the Christmas Eve service to, again, prepare your hearts for the next day. Uh, with all that said, I'm going to pray, and you'll be dismissed. Father, thank you so very much for this special day, God. We've, we've gotten to see kids up on the stage singing uh, praises to your name, Lord. I can't think of anything more special in my heart and mind than seeing, getting to see my children uh, up there and singing to you, Lord. And you've told us to come to you with childlike faith, to come to you like they do. And so God, help us to learn from them <laughs> as we see them up there. And uh, they, they have no pretense, God. They, they, they're not trying to manage their reputations. They're just up there singing to you. And so often we go up on the stage thinking, how do I look? Is there a hair out of place? How do I sound? They don't care, Lord. They're just up there to sing to you, Lord. Um, and I pray that we would approach you in that way uh, this season, Lord. We thank you that you humbled yourself and you came in the form of a babe to save us from our sin. We thank you, Lord. And I do thank you that the next time you're coming back, you're coming back as our conquering king. You did conquer, but Lord, you're, you're going to complete that victory when you come back. And so, Father, I thank you. Help us to look toward that day in anticipation. But now, in this week, help us to just celebrate and to rejoice over the fact that you came. We love you, Jesus, and protect us as we go outside of this place today. It's in your heavenly name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.